0: Thank you for joining us. Minister Nixon will present budget 2021 year-end results
1: followed by questions from the media. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me for the release of Alberta's year-end fiscal numbers and the government's annual reports. Alberta's government's actions are making life more affordable for Albertans and setting a path for a strong economic future for businesses, families, and future generations. Today, We are continuing this momentum with positive year-end fiscal results. I first want to put these results into context. We are reporting on fiscal year 2021-22, which ended on March 31st of this year. So everything that we're talking about today is within the context of last fiscal year. And a lot has happened in the province and, frankly, around the world since we released budget 2021 16 months ago. At that time, the global economy was slowly emerging from one of the worst downturns in history. Leading up to Budget 2021, West Texas Intermediate was trading between $40 and $50 a barrel U.S. That was actually way up from 2020 when the price dipped below $0 at its worst. So for the budget, we based the budget on oil prices of 46 U.S. per barrel. A few more stats to give you an idea of how volatile oil prices can be. On April 1, 2021, the price of West Texas Intermediate was almost 62 US per barrel. One year later, on April 1, 2021, or 2022, I should say, WTI was almost 102 US per barrel, an increase of 65 percent over one year. We haven't seen prices this high since 2014. With this in mind, we're releasing our year-end results that show Budget 2021 was successful in meeting its goals of setting Alberta up for economic growth and prosperity, while also continuing to respect taxpayer dollars, build our savings, and reduce our debt. For the 2021-22 year, we brought in $68.3 billion in revenue and spent $64.4 billion to support public services, including helping Albertans and the health care system through the pandemic and into recovery. In the end, that means Alberta's government ended the fiscal year with a surplus of $3.9 billion compared to the $3.4 billion deficit forecasted at the end of the third quarter. Over half of the reported surplus, more than $2 billion, is due to a partial reversal of the onerous contract provision for the Sturgeon refinery as the Minister of Energy renegotiated a better deal for Alberta with a new ownership framework. The remaining portion of the surplus is due to several key factors. Alberta's government made strategic spending decisions based on responsible fiscal management, offering targeted funding so ministers could provide services Albertans needed. Second, the the economy bounced back and saw growing investment in our province as many sectors expanded inside Alberta. Investors were attracted by the job creation tax cut and by the Alberta government's diversification efforts to support sector growth in technology, film, agri-food, hydrogen, carbon capture projects, and other sectors outside of oil and gas. Finally, the price of oil jumped significantly in the last two months of the fiscal year, driving oil and gas revenues here at home. I've seen a lot of speculation lately about a potential surplus and how the government should immediately spend it. Let me tell you, most Albertans have witnessed volatile resource revenues before and dealt with the fallout when governments went right out and spent excessive revenues as soon as they had it. The fact is, what goes up will come down. That's why we have focused on savings for the future, reduced the burden of debt, making life more affordable for Albertans and continued to bring our spending down in comparison to other provinces in our country. That fiscal discipline helped us achieve today's results, and it's led to Alberta's recent credit upgrades, and we're going to stick with our plan. Strategic decisions also resulted in higher revenues. The value of the Alberta Heritage Saving Trust Fund is at its highest ever, with a fair market value of $18.7 billion as of March 31, 2022. We earn $1.95 billion investment income from the fund over the fiscal year bringing its total investments to $20 billion. This fund is a source of pride and security in Alberta. We're making sure it continues to benefit all of those who live here in our great province. Its earnings contribute to Alberta's government's revenue and represents a resource for the future, for future generations. We retained we retained seven hundred five million in earnings within the fund to protect its value from inflation. This is the largest, the largest amount retained in the Heritage Fund for this purpose in a single year. We are now looking to amend legislation to allow more of the Heritage Fund's investment earnings to be kept in the fund in the future. This will help the Heritage Fund weather the ups and downs of commodity prices and help fund key services like health care and education for future from future fund earnings. In total, revenue from 2021-2022 was $68.3 billion, which is $24.6 billion more than was forecasted in budget 2021. Alberta's government collected more in personal income taxes as the labour market strengthened. It's important to note that Albertans continue to pay far, by far the lowest taxes overall than other provinces. As a result, 40% of Alberta. Albertan tax filers pay zero provincial income tax along with no provincial sales tax, no payroll tax, and no health premiums. Albertans and Alberta businesses would pay at least $14.8 billion more each year if Alberta had the same taxes as most other provinces. Now, speaking of businesses, Alberta's government collected $4.7 billion in corporate taxes, showing that corporate income tax revenue has rebounded despite the lower corporate income tax rate in our province. With the increase in energy prices, non-renewable resource royalties have increased by 16.2 billion, a full 13.3 billion more than was forecasted last year. Alberta's government will continue to be prudent with taxpayer funds and keep focused on maintaining the Alberta advantage in the tax system. As I mentioned, even as this year end is reporting a surplus, we will continue spending wisely and using taxpayer dollars responsibly in 2021-22 we provided a historic 24.7 billion to support the health system in the province or 1.7 billion more than estimated at budget 2021 a full seven percent more on health care this includes two billion dollars to support the pandemic response uh, and to protect lives alberta's government also provided hard uh, hard-hit farmers an extra 2.9 billion Uh, Partway through the year to help them through last summer's severe drought conditions that we saw across the province. In 2021-22, the 2021-22-22 capital plan supported thousands of good-paying jobs through investments worth $6.6 billion in capital projects. Construction crews completed portions of the Calgary and Edmonton ring road and twinned and widened highways across the province. The $850 million for Grand Prairie Regional Hospital was completed with another 20 million to add two additional surgical suites to get patients their surgeries faster. 15 school projects were completed, and work has commenced on 52 other projects, school projects in our province. And among many other projects, construction of the Springbank Offstream Reservoir began to protect Calgary and southern Alberta from floods and invest- an investment that will pay off for future generations. Alberta's government continues to take a principled approach spending and investing to maintain a positive economic outlook this year end result this year ends results speak to the broader economic recovery we are seeing across many sectors we will continue to see the economy grow and diversify by attracting investment and fostering innovation alberta posted solid growth in 2021 and moving forward we will continue to be a leader by sticking with our core fiscal anchors First, the government has already met its commitment to balance the budget. Second, Alberta's net debt remains below 30% of its gross domestic product, or GDP. The ratio of net to GDP is now down to 16.2% at year-end, lower than the 18.3% we projected at our third quarter update. And finally, the government is bringing the per capita cost of delivering government services in line with competitor provinces or comparative provinces, I should say, across the country. This means Albertans are still getting top quality public service at less cost as the government explores innovative and more efficient ways of providing and improving access to those services. In Budget 2022, we made promises to Albertans and we laid out the plan to move Alberta forward. A plan that finally brings us closer to delivering services as efficiently as other provinces. Our approach to this surplus is no different than Albertans, who don't drain their bank accounts after a good year, but instead invest for their kids' future, pay down their mortgages, or put away money for a rainy day. We don't base our spending on volatile resource revenues. We base our spending on the needs of Albertans. We will continue to cut taxes to make life more affordable for Albertans, as well as saving for future generations, reducing the burden of debt on everyday Albertans, and supporting Albertans through this time of high inflation. Work is already underway to combat the rising cost of living in our province. Alberta's elimination of the provincial fuel tax is helping families and seniors make ends meet and maintaining the lowest fuel prices in the country. Alberta has recently provided additional funding for school boards to help with rising school fuel costs to keep transportation fees low for parents. Alberta's recent child care funding agreement is allowing parents to have access to low care uh, cost quality childcare, and starting next month, electricity rebates will help Albertans make ends meet and lower their monthly costs going forward. All of these innovations are providing much-needed relief in the face of rising cost of living. Alberta's government will continue to strategically invest in the needs of Albertans while paying down debt and investing in our future with the Heritage Trust Fund. This past fiscal year, we paid down the provincial debt by $1.3 billion because we know repaying debt ensures that Albertans' tax dollars go towards services and not bankers and bondholders. We anticipate investments in the Heritage Fund will generate more revenue in the future and will help Alberta weather the storms and roller coasters of the future, whatever that may be. In closing, I am proud to present this fiscal update that shows Alberta is recovering and leading the nation in creating jobs, building prosperity, spending wisely on the things that matter to Albertans, diversifying the economy, and putting more money back into the pockets of Albertans. And with that, I'm happy to take some questions. Uh, Media will please uh, approach the microphone, introduce yourself, we'll have one question and one
0: follow-up before we go to the phones. As a representative of this government, do you feel that this is an appropriate use of both financial and judicial resources? And are you troubled that an Albertan is being hauled away to Ottawa as a political prisoner for being an ideological objector?
1: So I don't know the uh, specifics of what's taken place last night uh, in in regards to any issue that's before the court. I don't know the specifics. What I will say is that uh, there certainly are concerns from the Alberta government uh, in the approach that the Prime Minister took in the use of the Emergency Measures Act. Uh, something that Alberta made clear uh, at the time Uh, and I know today that the Premier and Minister Sandro have announced uh, that uh, there will be an inquiry into the use of that act and I think that's where our focus as a government is to understand what uh, has taken place uh, and to be able to get answers for Albertans uh, in regards to their concerns and the government's concerns about the Prime Minister's actions when it comes to the Emergency Measures Act Uh, but specifically as for some of us before the courts I don't know the issues.
0: As a follow-up, uh, the ongoing AHS legal efforts uh, on some of these matters are no doubt costing a fortune and are very often yielding legal losses. Will the government of Alberta ever stop wasting massive amounts of resources on the ongoing persecution of unconstitutional mandate objectors?
1: So again, issues before the court, I'd refer you to Mr. Chandra, who would be better brief to answer them. Uh, but this government has committed to a full and fulsome review of uh, AHS uh, and the total response uh, to the COVID-19 pandemic that's something that I support uh, I think needs to take place so that we can understand what's taken place uh, during the response to the pandemic and to be able to make sure that future generations will be able to to adjust to the learnings of what's taken place over the last two years during the pandemic. And
0: if I may just because this is obviously pressing
1: is there a timeline on that because people are being hauled away as we speak? Uh, again, I would refer you to Mr. uh and to Mr. Chandra uh, on how that will roll out. Uh, but I uh, will continue to call for a proper review of how the government responded to COVID-19, including Alberta Health Services.
2: Stephanie Thomas, CTV Calgary. Um, you mentioned that what goes up must come down. So just given that we know that we are seeing, you know, profits and revenues from oil and gas... Um, What are the plans then in place to save and to not squander this new wealth?
1: So, a couple things. First off, even within this fiscal update, we have uh, invested the most ever for inflation inside the Heritage Trust Fund to be able to uh, make sure that that it's topped off. We will be bringing forward uh, legislation in the fall to be able to make it that we can invest more of the earnings from the uh, Heritage Saving Trust Fund back into it. Uh, Right now, the legislation uh, only allows for us to invest uh, up to CPI. Uh, and we want to be able to provide an opportunity to put more money into the savings uh, or to the Heritage Trust Fund going uh, forward. Uh, and we also want to and will continue to bring forward plans to uh, reasonably pay down the debt. There's still about $95 billion worth of debt in our province, uh, and we need to uh, make sure that we move forward with the plan on that. Simultaneously, what has changed uh, since we put forward those parameters in the last budget on how we would deal with the surplus is the inflation situation across uh, the world. Uh, is requiring governments to take action uh, for affordability measures uh, and so we will be using some of the surplus to do that. We already are, uh, we, you know, again uh, with the fuel tax uh, removal alone, uh, that's about just over $600 million, uh, this last quarter and the quarter that we're heading into uh, and if it was to go for the whole year it would be a, a little over a billion dollars. Uh, and so in the last three months or so, we've announced about $2 billion in affordability measures. Uh, and we see that as an important part of how we would invest some of the resources that we're gaining through the windfall in oil and gas revenues.
2: And um, regarding the sundry controversial floats, uh, you said on Sunday that that parade float was racist. So can you explain how you saw it that way?
1: Well, I didn't see the report it's, or the, uh, the float itself at the parade uh, because of my location in the parade. We're up front with, uh, with, with uh, the MP and the mayor. Uh, but certainly when uh, you see the pictures uh, on on social media, uh, it comes across as racist. uh, it, uh you know, well, and again, I've called out Justin Trudeau when uh, he did blackface as well. Uh, and uh, it certainly came across to the Sikh community inside this province as racist. Uh, and uh, I would say it was, was a poor reflection on, on my community and not an accurate reflection of Sundry. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I condemned it because of uh, certainly what it looks like, uh, and it definitely appeared to be a racist image. Morning, Minister. Morning, Rick. How are you,
3: <laughs> Rick Bell, Calgary Sun? Um, are you? A, a, what effect do you think will have as Finance Minister on Alberta investment? Some people have weighed in on this already, including at least one of your colleagues. I think more than one of your colleagues in cabinet. Um, on the um rumblings about uh sovereignty in alberta and uh you know not enforcing certain federal laws etc cetera, etc cetera. i don't think i have to explain to you what the sovereignty act proposal is uh, to what degree do you think that does or does not affect investment and or could hypothetically affect investor confidence and the economic recovery in alberta
1: well, I've, Rick, I've seen it in, in meetings with different investors over the years uh, where uh, they've expressed concerns uh, about separation and about some of the political context and rhetoric that they have heard in our province. And this is, this is the challenge when it comes to federal-provincial relations, what, trying to present a strong Alberta front and send a clear message to Ottawa uh, when they've crossed the line and defend our rights as a province while at the other hand trying to let the rest of the world know that we're open for business. And so it it certainly is a challenge going forward. What I can tell you, though, uh, and what this fiscal update shows, is when we get Alberta into a strong fiscal position where our bank account uh, is in a spot where we can make maneuvers on behalf of people of Alberta without the federal government and stand strongly within confederation, we're in a better place to be able to negotiate with the federal government. So I I think that we have to continue to fight for the birthright of our province. We've done that with things like Bill C-69, taking that through the Court of Appeal. We need to fight that all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, We need to look at other measures and continue to have other measures where we defend ourselves with the federal government. But at the same time, we have to send a strong message to the world that Alberta is a stable place to invest uh, so that we can continue to move forward with this great economic momentum. uh, And what is the largest economic recovery in the country?
3: So just a follow-up on that, Minister. Um, so why, why do you think it would be a – thanks for the answer – why do you think it would be, um, you know, rattle or perhaps influence investors' talk of whatever you want to call it, sovereignty, separation, et cetera? Why do you – what is it about that concept? Because as you know, even in your beloved sundry, there probably are some people who have heard that suggestion and said, yeah. wow, that sounds like a really neat idea. So what is it about that idea that shakes investors?
1: So money follows one thing, stability. Uh, and so it's very important when we're attracting investment uh, on, a, on a global scale of the province that we're showing a stable place to invest. Uh, you know. But again, Rick, we can do both. We can show that we're stable and that we have uh, clear plans on how to address the concerns that we have with our position in Confederation. Uh, I think that if you look at Quebec's version of this conversation over the last several decades, as they've moved away from the separation talk and more to a strong independent province within confederation, that uh, they found themselves in a spot where they ain't creating as much confusion for investors, but are still in a spot where they can stand up to a federal government that is clearly overreaching on many issues. So I think we can walk and shoot gum at the same time, but we do have to recognize, particularly when you're in government, when you say certain things, it can have global impacts. Uh, and at the end of the day, when somebody elsewhere in the world is looking to invest money in an economy, they're going to do it in a place where they think their money's stable. Operator, we'll uh, go to the phones. Uh, please uh introduce yourself. One
0: question, one follow-up. Audrey Never, Radio Canada.
2: Hi, thanks for taking my question. Uh minister, how did you personally feel when you saw the 3.9 billion dollar surplus Alberta was going to get for this fiscal year?
1: Well, I didn't feel bad if that's what you're asking. Uh, that said, I think that I recognize very quickly that we're entering into a different time uh, of, or different type of fiscal conversation in our province than we've had over the last uh, several years. Uh, and so a couple things that I felt. First is that uh, it, it was a confirmation of the hard work of this government and of Albertans the last couple of years to get our fiscal house in order and to overcome uh, some of the damaging economic policies that we've seen uh, from past governments. Uh, The next thing I thought was how we make sure that we didn't make the mistakes of former PC governments uh, and NDP governments and that we use uh, this opportunity in a way that can uh, benefit future generations as well as invest for some of the needs that we we face now. And so my primary focus became after seeing that surplus, uh, again, to make sure that we use that as responsibly as possible on behalf of Albertans and that we don't make the mistake of previous governments when it comes to large uh, resource revenue windfalls like we're seeing right now in the province. Follow up.
2: Yes, and on this topic, your predecessor, Mr. Tays, was fairly
4: open, it seems, to
2: having a panel look into the revenues of the province. Now we're in a much more better position. Uh, Do you think it, it would be time to look at it and see how the province can manage those revenues going forward to avoid those mistakes, as you're mentioning?
1: Mr. Tays certainly was committed to doing a a revenue panel. I believe that was uh, either something that came up through the platform process or at least early on inside our mandate. Uh, I am not opposed to having a conversation about revenue through a panel process where we can talk with Albertans uh, about how our, our province's revenue works. But in the meantime... Uh, We we need to react responsibly right now when we find ourselves in a a position where we're getting large surpluses from oil and gas revenue. And so that's why we're laying out a plan uh, as a government right now to try to focus on three areas with this revenue. One is to uh, invest in the future through investments in the Heritage Trust Fund. Uh, Second is to focus on dealing with the debt that we have inherited uh, as a government and as a province. And then lastly, making sure that we're in the best possible spot to respond to whatever may come. Uh, one thing that this oil and gas revenue shift shows is how volatile the world is and how little uh, us as a subnational government can control that situation. So I think it's incumbent upon us at the moment uh, to make sure that we strategically use these resources to help Albertans through those issues right now, particularly around inflation and affordability, but do it in such a way uh, that we don't create problems for future governments uh, when those oil and gas prices come back down. Operator, please do through to the next caller.
2: Josh Aldridge, Calgary Herald.
0: Morning, thanks for taking my call, uh, Minister. You, you've talked a lot about investing and saving uh, the, the surplus, but even now we're looking at about forty dollars for WTI above what the provincial government has budgeted for the twenty twenty two budget. I, is there any potential for those dollars to be invested, at, even at a smaller amount, or for an increase to things like downtown Calgary, downtown Edmonton, which saw? A very minimal investment from the province uh, in the 2022 budget. Is is there the potential for any of these dollars to go back to uh, the back into investment into uh, additional projects or programs?
1: There's a significant potential to continue to use the budget to invest in uh, programs all across uh, the, the province. What can't happen is going back to paying more for services. Uh, inside this province than every other province uh, of comparability inside this country uh, per capita. So now that we have been able to bring our fiscal spending in line with other provinces, this creates an opportunity where we can invest surpluses in things that benefit Albertans instead of putting it into the black hole of government. Uh, As for investments inside Calgary, I, 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 I disagree. I think there has been significant investments announced. Uh, in Calgary. Uh, just the other day I was here in my former capacity as environment minister announcing uh, the new Springbank Reservoir. That's a significant investment to protect the city. Uh, $59 million was announced the other day for the University of Calgary's new veterinary medicine expansion. $41 million for Sage John Ware redevelopment. $30 million for the office of the chief medical examiner located in Calgary. $22 million for the new interchange at Stony Trail and the airport trail northeast. $20 million towards the rest ball, sports centre, on and on and on. So there are significant capital projects that are being invested in Calgary and across uh, the province. We remain committed uh, to doing so, but we remain committed to doing it in a responsible way. Follow-up question?
0: Yeah, well, I, I was referring specifically to the $5 million for downtown revitalization for Calgary. So my apologies if I misspoke. spoke. If you could get into more detail, how you find that balance on how much you put into uh, debt repayments out of this, and how much into heritage savings? How do you get to that balance, as opposed to saying let's just pay down debt, and as opposed to uh, squirreling away as much as you can into heritage?
1: So that's that's the challenge that will be before cabinet over the next couple of weeks, as we head into uh, Q1 uh, update for this fiscal year. Uh, we we know, and I I believe that the priorities that I've just outlined are the best way uh, to invest and, and to use. Albertan surpluses in the most responsible way. Uh, we now need to have a more detailed conversation to understand uh, what that will look like. And part of this is that we're going to have a better idea of what the future looks like as we head into August uh, and that Q1 update on, on resource revenues for this upcoming year. Uh, and then we can have a conversation uh, about what that may look like in a more permanent way or a more structured way uh, for Albertans. Operator, can you please through the, put through the next caller?
2: Aaron Collins, CBC. Thanks for taking my question. I, I recognize this isn't a forward-looking update, but I just wanted to sort of poke that a little bit. Obviously, some of, the, some of the commodity prices that have led to this dramatic turnaround are going to lead to a large surplus in the next fiscal year or, two, or this fiscal year as well. Do you, do you have a sense of how big the surplus could be? I know you're talking about that August update, but could we be looking at a $20 billion surplus in Alberta
1: this year? So I don't have a, a sense enough that I could provide a, a confident answer to that question. My officials and my experts are still saying that we need a little bit more time uh, before we can give uh, that a, a proper answer. Uh, but as we come into the Q1 update, we will have more clarity around what we think next year will look like, which is why we'll be in a better position to answer uh, that in August. Follow-up question: you,
2: you know, given the given that there is to be likely to be a, a quite a large surplus coming down the road. I mean, you talked about savings, you talked about uh, relief for inflation. Are, are we thinking about potentially, you know, direct relief for Albertans in the near future, checks being handed out to families and individuals who are struggling to make ends meet?
1: Well, right now we've, over this last couple of months, have announced about $2 billion in affordability measures uh, for Albertans, uh, one of the biggest being, of course, the removal of the Alberta fuel tax. Uh, Which is significant, Uh, and we've—I just extended this last week into next quarter, Uh, and obviously, if uh, oil stays above ninety dollars a barrel, we'll likely continue to extend that throughout the year. Uh, Starting uh, this next month, Albertans are going to start to see uh, those rebates uh, on uh, their electricity bills for July, August, uh, and uh, September. Uh, Just recently, we also uh, put in just shy of nine million dollars to school boards to be able to help relieve some of their transportation fuel costs so that uh, those costs weren't being uh, passed on to parents. The Federal Government as well has got some uh, contributions coming into the system as soon as July. Uh, and so we are watching right now to see how those measures work. Uh, one of the challenges is that we don't want to make the situation worse. Some of the inflation situation that we see is because of a tremendous amount of uh, money coming in uh from, from Federal governments uh, to try to deal with uh, both the situation around COVID nineteen, Uh, and and inflation, which is unfortunately also causing inflation, though the intentions uh, are uh, to help people. So we're going to see how the measures that we've already announced are working. uh, And yes, we are prepared to make other strategic investments to help Albertans in the coming months. uh, But we're going to do it in a strategic way, uh, doing our best to make sure that we don't cause any more harm. Operator, can you please put through the next caller?
2: Dave Kaiser, City News. Good morning, Minister. So despite cutting the fuel tax here, you announced electricity rebates as well. People still say they're struggling. I mean, numbers are showing, what is it, I think about half of Albertans are less than a paycheck away from insolvency. So this kind of being a bit of a surprise surplus since your government's expected to be in a deficit, why aren't we seeing more of it go towards helping people afford life?
1: So... What, what Albertans are facing is a real challenge. Uh, it is a serious thing that, uh, that families are facing all across uh, this province and something that we take very seriously, uh, which, again, is why already in the last couple of months we've already brought forward $2 billion uh, worth of uh, affordability measures, uh, everything from the, the fuel tax being removed in the province, uh, the electricity rebate uh, that Albertans will start to see in July, uh, the natural gas rebates that will take place in October as we move into home heating season. Uh, these are significant measures and we're committed to them. Uh, we are committed as well to do more uh, if needed, but we have to take our time and make sure that the measures that we're using are, being, uh, are, are fully into the system. We understand their impact. And we need to recognize uh, that if we go too far with this, we can actually make the situation worse, even though we're trying to help. So uh, we are prepared as a government to do more affordability measures in the coming months. Uh, and I suspect I'll have more to say about that in August when we do the Q1 update our focus right now is on getting the affordability measures out that we have already announced and making sure that they're getting into Albertans politics at the moment or into Albertans pockets I should say follow up question
2: yeah thanks so whether or not you say these are significant measures and you're trying to get them out now I mean the people directly affected the people who are in that statistic I listed being about uh just a paycheck away from insolvency they're all saying these measures aren't enough so why aren't you looking at doing more now rather than saying, oh let's wait until later what if later is a little too late
1: so uh, again uh these uh, measures uh, are, are, do have a significant impact we we saw a StatsCAN report uh, in april Uh, that showed that Alberta was well behind uh, the Canadian inflation rate, and one of the reasons that uh, was credited for that fact uh, was the work that we did on removing uh, the fuel tax. The fuel tax itself being removed doesn't just help Albertans who drive every day, though it does help them significantly, and any Albertan who uh, gets the opportunity to go to B.C. shortly on vacation will report to you how much cheaper gas is inside our province as a result of that decision. But because everything comes in our society through truck and through fuel... Uh, us removing that tax is lowering uh, the cost of all sorts of other goods within the system. Uh, We we recognize that there may be more affordability measures that we need to bring forward. Uh, But again, we have to make sure that we're not making the situation worse for the very people that we're trying to help. And one of the things that is causing inflation uh, is excess government money inside the system. Uh, The the next biggest thing to Alberta's uh, fuel tax removal that can be done right now to help Albertans and Canadians is the federal government to follow Alberta's lead and remove the fuel tax and remove the carbon tax uh, from fuel across this country. That would have the biggest immediate impact uh, on Albertans and Canadians. And we're going to continue to call on the federal government to to follow this province's lead uh, and help to uh, deal with inflation, not just for drivers, uh, but for the entire economy because we're able to reduce the cost of trucking uh, and trains and uh, other issues like that inside our society. Operator, can you please put through the next caller? Get
4: it, correct, CBC. Hi there. Um, you were talking about um, increasing affordability measures. And I think a lot of people would look at this government influx of cash and say, I don't see this windfall reflected in my life. They might say their child lost their educational assistant because of school budget constraints. They might notice that, that H remains deindexed. indexed from inflation and that an ambulance doesn't come when they call so how do you plan on using some of this surplus if at all to improve public services in the short term
1: well a lot to unpack there janet i mean first uh, we intend to continue to have the uh continue to invest in health care significantly this government has the highest health care budget uh, in, in the history of the province there are other issues with our system uh, and minister copying uh, is working uh, to to address those including ambulances uh, which is uh, a significant uh, issue. But we'll continue to invest in, in education. We continue to invest significantly inside education. Uh, as I also just mentioned just the other day, we uh, we added about $9 billion, just tried $9 billion uh, to, um, I should say, $9 million to uh, education boards, to school boards, to be able to help with fuel costs, uh, about $100 million to help with the increased costs for uh, Uh, teachers uh, wages uh, and so those investments continue uh, to happen, but we can't go back to the old habits that previous governments did Which is to pay more than other provinces for services Uh, This government worked tirelessly for the last three years to bring our spending in line with other provinces So that we in in these very moments that we will have more resources to be able to respond to Albertans needs Uh, Again, there's been two billion dollars as far as I know more uh, affordability measures announced by the province of alberta than any other province uh, inside uh, this this country uh, except for maybe quebec and, and i would argue quebec is using albertans money uh, for their affordability measures uh, but it shows our our commitment to affordability uh, that said we have to work to be able to make sure that the measures that we are using don't make the inflation situation worse because we'll end up hurting the very people that we're trying to help follow up
4: So, to be clear, you think Albertans should be satisfied with the current level of public services even while there's this influx of cash into coffers?
1: No, what I said, uh, Janet, was Albertans should never be satisfied with paying more than other provinces for the same or worse services. Uh, And so, as the government has brought its uh, fiscal house into order, and brought our spending for the same services in line with other provinces. That creates opportunities for us to use our resources in more productive ways for Albertans. Uh, And we can't allow windfalls like we saw with previous governments, not just the NDP, but previous PC governments, uh, who would then use those windfalls to create... Uh, a bad fiscal situation, spend more money for the same or worse services than other provinces, and then create an, a, a situation that we found ourselves in three years ago when we came into power where we had to then come and fix that situation when we did not have the resource revenue to pay for it. Operator, can you please put through the next caller?
2: Catherine Grigowski, I've heard it today. Yes,
4: yeah, um, you've piqued my interest with this upcoming legislation. So um, you said that it's going to allow the government to increase the amount put into the Heritage Savings Fund above CPI, did I hear you also say that it will limit what can be taken out? or And, and if so, how would you square that with um, wanting to keep taxes low? Because traditionally, that's what the fund's been used for, is to offset costs of projects, for instance.
1: So, so you heard wrong. Uh, to to, to okay. be clear, the current legislation is that... Uh, We can only invest up to CPI uh, from the earnings of the Heritage Trust Fund, uh, which we have done this year. Uh, We will be bringing forward legislation in the fall uh, to be able to expand that uh, because we want to be able to invest more of Albertans' money inside that Heritage Trust Fund to then use the revenue from that fund to be able to to invest in services for Albertans during rainy days. Follow-up question? Yeah,
4: um... So when, when you talk about a flood of government cash, I think people on the right might say, well, it's not the government's money, it's our money. And people on the left might say, inflation isn't caused by government spending, it's caused by corporations hoarding profits. So can, can you, I guess, explain and, and respond to those type of critiques of why you think it is excess government spending that is causing this inflation?
1: Well, first, let me be very, very clear. Uh, both tax revenue and royalty revenue that the Alberta government is enjoying right now and in any other year is Albertans' money uh, and is the biggest reason why we have to make sure uh, that we don't fall into some of the bad habits uh, that we have uh, seen uh, in the past. As for uh, when we do fiscal stimulus, whether or not it can impact inflation, I think that's a fact uh, and not something that, uh, that, that can be argued. Uh, that does not mean that uh, the government should not do uh, affordability measures, as this government has done, to try to help everyday Albertans weather this global inflation uh, storm that we face. But what it does mean is that we have to be strategic and smart not to make things worse for the very people that we're trying to help. Operator, can you please put through the next caller? take will
2: the Mail. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Minister, I'm wondering if part of the reason why we're not seeing... Um, plans on what you might do with the windfall, and is because right now the UCP um, is in the midst of a leadership race. There's no, right now it's only just a lame duck leader. Is that influencing this?
1: No, the the leadership review in no way is uh, determining how we respond to affordability measures that Albertans need right now, which is why the government's moving forward with $2 billion worth of relief right now. This is why last week I extended the removal of the fuel tax inside our province. This is why uh, last week we brought forward measures to get more more resources to school boards to deal with their fuel costs. We will continue to respond to Albertans' needs. Uh, but we will do it in a responsible way and a strategic way. So right now there's, again, $2 billion coming uh, from announcements this quarter alone uh, on affordability issues. There's stuff coming from the federal government uh, as early as July, and we have to uh, watch how that comes in the system, see its impact, uh, and then adjust accordingly to help Albertans. Follow-up?
2: Uh, yeah, thank you. I'm also wondering now whether how this might change public sector bargaining.
1: We, we continue to work through uh, public sector bargaining. I mean, uh, just completed the deal with the uh, with, with the ATA uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, it can, continues to be a priority of the government to work through that process, um, specifically uh, how, how it impacts it. I, I wouldn't have much more to say other than that at the moment, that we'll continue to work through that process as a government, again with the same uh, goal of uh, maintaining uh, our spending in line with other provinces for the services that we receive.